0: the curl, riding the waves. Surfing has existed since humans first took to swimming in the ocean. In the Polynesian culture, surfing was regarded as an important activity and may have originated as far back as 400 A.D. when the Polynesians began making their way to the Hawaiian Islands. And it was their culture that would directly influence modern day surfing. The Beach Boys made a career singing about it, despite the fact that only one member of the group could actually surf. Kids and adults of all ages wanted to grab a board and join the surfing culture that was rapidly sweeping America in the early 1960s. But where and how did this modern day surfing mania begin? To answer this question, we need to journey back, or should I say, paddle back, to 1957 when a 15-year-old girl, short in size, yet tall with persistence, found her passion in surfing in what was mainly regarded as a male-dominated activity. I'm Chris Costello, and welcome to Cue. I look forward to sharing with you topics and guests which may be out of the ordinary, and some very extraordinary people who are making a noticeable imprint in today's world. She was pint-sized and spunky and frequented the beach at Malibu, watching the surfers paddle out on their boards to catch the waves that would bring them back to shore. She was captivated by the pros and studied their techniques of riding the high speeds of the pipelines, being fully covered by a curl, and the towering Mavericks. She purchased her first board for just $30 and began hitting the waves. She made new friends and was fascinated by their free-spirited way of life, with a love for their boards and riding the waves. They even sported funny nicknames like The Jaw, The Beetle, Golden Boy, Turtle, Scooter, and Moondoggy. Her father, Frederick Koner, a noted Hollywood screenwriter, became amused and enthralled by stories of her summer beach days in Malibu. She told him she wanted to write her story of her friends about a major crush she had on one of the surfers, how she was teased, how difficult it was to catch a wave, and her persistence in wanting to learn how to surf and be accepted by the crew, which was how she referred to the boys that summer. She even shared her new nickname, given to her by her newfound friends. Combining girl and midget, as she was only five feet tall, she became Gidget. Gidget, the little girl with big ideas, was written by her father in six weeks. It was his first novel, and it became an international bestseller and the basis for the popular Gidget movies and television series. And it was with this one book based on his daughter's summer beach days in Malibu that ignited the surfing craze and the beach culture way of life in America. Here with me on On Cue, still spunky and endearingly charismatic, is Kathy Koner-Zuckerman, otherwise known as Gidget. Kathy, welcome to On Cue.
1: That was a an introduction. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I read the book Gidget. I loved it. I was captivated by it. And as we know, the book is based on your personal experiences on the beach in Malibu back in 1956. But here's where I'm curious. Gidget's name in the book, of course, is Francine Lawrence, not Kathy Koner. Was there right. a reason behind the real Gidget's name not being used? I'm just curious about that.
1: You know, I think it's a great question. And what I believe or think is that one of my parents wanted to call me Francis, and one of them wanted to call me Catherine. So I become Francie or Frances, and they called me Cutsie uh, instead of Kathy. So at home, I was Cutsie. And in the novel, Gidget, I'm called Francie. Now, she's Francie Lawrence in the TV show and in the movie Gidget. In the novel, she's Francie Hofer, which is kind of a European name because my parents were uh, Europeans and came over to this country. Um, So she's not Francie Lawrence in the novel, which is interesting. They change it in the movie and
0: the TV show. I love the name in the book, you know, and I always thought that Gidget really was, you know, Francine. I had no idea until recently. It was Kathy Koner. Was it your dad that chose the last name? I don't know
1: who chose uh, <laughs> Lawrence for the movies um, or the TV show. My dad was not working on either the movie Gidget. He did write one episode for the Sally Field TV show called The Great Kona, I believe, and he was nominated for an Emmy for that one um, television segment. But he did not write. Anything on the uh, film Gidget with Sandra D, James Darren, and Cliff Robertson,
0: so you were very young and you were a teenager, and you still Thank have you. that great spunkiness to you. But did you ever think that the book written by your father, who was a noted Hollywood screenwriter, would catapult Gidget as an American pop culture figure? I mean, how did that sit with you back as a teenager?
1: Well, at that time, it was, it is really, truly my dad's success. I mean, he wrote this great book. It's sold to the movies. And, you know, I have all the letters that young girls wrote my dad about how much they loved this character. And my dad would answer them. So it was really my dad's success with the digit phenomenon. And I graduated from high school in 1958. And I decided I was going to go where it's really low tide. I went to Corvallis, Oregon, to school at Oregon State. And um, some of the people referred to me as that Gidget Girl. So I became that Gidget Girl in in low tide Corvallis, Oregon. That is so funny. You know, I think that the time has been really kind to me. Um, I was able to get the Gidget novel re-released in 2001. And it's in paperback, same publisher that published Gidget originally, Penguin, Putnam, Berkeley, and Print. And they put photos through the book, so which is interesting because it is a work of fiction. But now there are photos in the Gidget book, which young girls kind of relate to. So I put on my old bathing suit. I dragged it. I had somebody make me a board, actually. I didn't have a board. Um and you know, I just like, okay, I'm I'm like the caterpillars turning into Gidget again. I'm gonna be that girl. I'm gonna try to get on a wave. Um, I'm gonna embrace the surfing world because they were very nice to
0: me. I have to say, Kathy, though, that you really are an icon because there were so many teenagers, myself included, that really related to you. And, you know, we wanted to be Gidget. We wanted to grab a surfboard, we wanted to go out and meet a, a moondoggy. We wanted all of that. And I think it's so important to notice that your story, although fictionalized, it put Malibu on the map to where it became one of the hottest destinations in the U.S. It ignited a surfing craze to where it became a subculture. So, in all honesty, Gidget, was and I think continues to be a cultural sensation. But I want to go back. In 1956, surfing was male-dominated, as we all know.
1: But, you know, the funny thing was that I really wasn't aware of, you know, what they say, gender types. I mean, it was only when I was a substitute teacher, somebody came along to me and said, you know, it was a gender thing. You were a girl, and the rest of the guy, they were guys. And I'm like, well, there were always some – Gals or women in the water. I was the only girl in my high school that surfed, and oftentimes when I do give a speaking engagement, I bring out my high school annual, the chieftain, and I read what some of the students wrote, good luck with your water
0: skiing.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So they didn't didn't really know what surfing was. They thought I was water skiing.
0: Well, were you instantly accepted by the surfers? You know, the the new friends that you met that summer, and just curious, did they play any pranks on you? Were you you were teased a lot?
1: You know, I've been reading my diary pages, and I've been working with Ken Lizevnik, who is a writer, and because we decided what fun this would be to get the diary pages published, and so he'd be reading this, and he'd say, "Oh my goodness, they threw a pineapple in your face!" He said, "You had a lot of guts." <laughs> Um, so that was one of the pranks. And then they once disconnected the distributor to my car. That was like really annoying oh, no. to me because I didn't know how I was oh. going to get home. And the reason they did that is because I had come down with a very lovely young lady who didn't serve like a friend, but they thought she was so attractive that they didn't want me to go home from Malibu. They wanted me to stay at the beach. So then they disconnected the distributor to my car. Um, Some of these pranks, I would say they were pranks. They would bury my surfboard. I'd say, well, I'm not bothering you. And they'd say, well, you're still breathing, Gidget.
0: (laughs) You know, one of the things I thought was so adorable is you traded sandwiches for surfing lessons. And so I, I can envision you moving a lot of food out of your parents' refrigerator. But who in that group of friends, guys who all sported the funny nicknames, Was the one who taught you how to surf, or should I say, who got the bigger sandwich?
1: (laughs) You know what? I got the (laughs) biggest sandwich because I taught myself how to surf. I have it in the diary of June 1957. I bought my first surfboard from Mike Doyle, who became a very famous and well-known and very much beloved surfer. And I paid $35 for the board, and I decided that, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to learn how to surf. And so it was pretty much my initiative. I didn't want to fail. No failure here. I can do it. I can do it just like they can do it. Of course, I had a crush on a young man, Bill Jensen, major crush. So, you know, if he were at Malibu, I... I had to go out and catch the curl, you know, and stay out of the soup. That's a surfing expression. Um, And I always wanted, was hoping that he could see me surf.
0: (laughs) I'm curious, though, because I love the name Gidget. Was there one specific person who gave you that name? Well, I unfortunately didn't write that one day down. So there's the flank
1: that says one gentleman did it, and there's another side that said another man did it. So... You know
0: what? I think it's still up for grabs. Who called me Gidget? (laughs) Well, I'm sure they would all be taking credit for that now. I mean, especially since it's such an iconic name. It's known worldwide. But did any of the surfers that you hung out with become central characters in the Gidget films in the series as the Big Kahuna, who was played by Cliff Robertson? Was there a Big Kahuna back in 1956?
1: There was a really big, fun man named Terry Tracy, also known as Tube Steak and Harry lived in the shack that is portrayed in the Gidget novel that was like so interesting to me that somebody was living in a shack at the beach all summer because I thought you know we were a bit like Ozzy and Harriet you know I'd go home and have dinner and mommy tucked me to bed and say goodnight kiss so the character is yes a work of fiction but I would say that there was some similarities between Perry and the Big
0: Kahuna, and, and he was really nice to meet, yeah. Well, there are certain characters that really stand out, and of course, you know, the Big Kahuna is a character that you just, I immediately think of Cliff Robertson, but the first Gidget film starring Sandra Dee was the spark that would ignite this Gidget mania, and yes. here you're seeing your experiences unfold before the cameras. Did the fictional character share similar characteristics of the real-life Gidget, you?, um, did you meet Sandra D? What were your thoughts, you know, seeing your life in a way, even though fictionalized was unfolding on the screen? Well, I do have a lovely
1: picture. Uh, I did go to the set and I have this wonderful picture where I'm sitting on a hammock with Sandra D. I also had the good fortune to meet Cliff Robertson at the set. I thought, this is really unusual they're making a film about my wife at Malibu. Really? You know, I thought it was fun. I mean, it was an interesting experience to watch the cameras roll. No, I think it was more fun for my dad. Maybe I was a little young to realize that the Gidget movie has gone down this highway, and it's still going. There's no end. People love the Gidget movie.
0: It talks to people. It really does. And here is another thing. I mean, you're a surfer. And yet, the surfing sequences were actually done by Mickey Munoz, who was part of the surfing scene in Malibu, and was the stunt double for Sandra Dee in the first Gidget film. But why Munoz and not you? I mean, you are Gidget. You were the surfer.
1: Well, there were two people that did the Sun Doubles. Diane Kivlin, who is Matt Kivlin's wife, and actually Matt. Matt was the one that took me out on my first ride. This was June 24, 1956. Dear Diary, I didn't do too much but go to the beach. I didn't think I'd have fun, but I met Matt, and he took me out on his surfboard. He let me catch the waves by myself, and once I fell off, and the board went flying in the air. I didn't get hurt at all. He also rode the waves with me. And then I rode the board in alone. The surf wasn't high at all. I hope Matt will take me surfing again. So Matt's wife at the time was Diane. So she did some of the doubling. And then Mickey Munoz did some of the doubling. And I believe the film came out in uh, March of 1959. And I had gone up to low-tie Corvallis in the fall of 1958. (laughs) I wouldn't have been used to surfing on a big blue screen. (laughs) So I'm
0: happy they got to do it. Along with Gidget, there's another central character who became an iconic screen presence. And I have to say a heartthrob to many young girls, including myself. And I believe you know who I'm referring to. That being Moondoggy, played by James Darren. So I'm curious, Kathy... Was there an actual Moondoggy, and did the real-life Gidget fall in love with him? You
1: know, that's an interesting question, because some people tell me there was somebody at Malibu named Billy L. Bingston, who became a very famous artist, and I thought his name was Moondoggy. Some others have said he was called Boondoggy, because he had a beard, and he'd come out of the water, and he'd shake his hair and his face, and people said, well, he just looks like he's been out of the boonies. Um but the name Moondoggy, you know, stuck with me. I thought Billy was called Moondoggy. Now I had a big crush on a, a young surf Bill Jensen and I was crazy about Bill. He knows that. <laughs> then comes along this gorgeous actor, James Darren, and like,
0: okay <laughs> Everybody wants to think that the Gidget ended up with Moondoggy. Kathy, I have a surprise for you. Okay, so hold on for oh, just no. a minute. While oh, we no. bring him on the line In fact <laughs> I want to see if you can guess Who this special guest might be And I'll give you oh, my God. Um, A clue The guest that you're about to talk to He became every girl's Romantic dream on the big screen Do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Wow Is he in Digit movies?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so Let's see if he can help tell you who he is Cassie!
1: Oh my gosh! Oh my
2: god! <laughs> it's Moondoggy, Cassie.
0: It's the uh, the fake Moon Doggy. Jimmy! Oh. oh! my god! James Darren, I am so proud to have James Darren with us on On Q, who brought to life on the big screen the character of Moondoggy. And James, welcome. I you know, I mean I had the pleasure of talking with you on the phone, and I I want everyone to know. What a grounded, down-to-earth man you are. You are sweet, and I'm capitalizing that. Sweet as the day is long, and it's such a pleasure to have you join us in this interview with Kathy, a.k.a. Gidget. And for me to be talking to Moondoggy and Gidget, I mean, I'm ready to fall off the chair.
2: Chris, the last time I saw Kathy was at a theater, I believe on Wilshire Boulevard, Kathy? Yes. With Mickey Munoz? Yes, exactly. Uh, that That was great. Yeah, it was a QA. It
1: was a summer July
2: 2019. Wow. How is Munoz doing?
1: I think he's doing
2: fine. He would double Sandra D in the movie.
0: Yes. I'm trying to envision a man doubling for Sandra D. I mean, was he a slight build?
2: He, he was pretty small, Vicky Munoz, and, and a wonderful surfer,
1: too. So. And he said, I look pretty good in a bikini.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, until you got to his face, <laughs> Then he didn't look like Sandra Day to
0: <laughs> But, you know, you and Kathy know each other, and I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, does she have any of the Gidget on-screen personality traits that were brought to life by Sandra Day, first and foremost, and also Deborah Wally and Cindy Carroll? Are there any similarities between the fictional character portrayed by these actresses and the real Gidget?
2: Yeah, that's a tough question.
1: <laughs> that um, is a tough question.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure she does. You know, reading the script and reading the book, the gals that played Gidget, like Sandra and Deborah and Cindy, I mean, they had to adapt something from the description of Gidget. I mean, mm-hmm. Kathy, Kathy's a, a pretty strong human being, you know, she's she's yes. a, an obs person. And, right, uh, right. I mean, yeah. So Sandy was not like that. I think Deborah was more like that. Um, exactly. But for, for me, Sandra D. If you didn't know Cassie, and you read the book and read the script, Sandra D. Was really pretty much uh, like the epitome of what I thought Gidget was. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the way the way it was written in the script. Now, you know, I'm not saying comparing her to Cassie. But the way it was written in the script, I think Sandra hit her on the nose.
1: Well, I have to tell you a funny story because, I mean, Jimmy knows that I worked at Duke's Malibu. And so the other day, a young lady came over to me and said, you know, my third grade teacher was Gidget. And I said, oh, uh-huh. Cindy Carroll. And she said, yes, yeah, Cindy became a school teacher in Seattle, Washington.
2: Oh, really? That's funny. Oh, that's yes. Funny. I got a note from George Clooney. One day I was directing a show and there was a a guest on the show, an acting guest, uh, who had worked with George and George sent me a note and he signed it Moondoggy.
0: (laughs) He would have been a great Moondoggy. No, there's only one Moondoggy and that is you, James Darren. I got to ask you a question, James. You know, I've always been fascinated by special effects and often thought, what would CGI, what would they have accomplished with all the surfing scenes had they been around back when the Gidget films were first being made. And I know that there were the stunt doubles for the long shot surfing sequences, but the close ups of you and Sandra D, or even Deborah right. Wally, do you realize your feet are never shown standing on the board? Yes. So I'm just curious, what was the process they used to make it look like you were riding a surfboard? Because I don't know if you surfed in Pennsylvania.
2: No, no. Do you surf? No Do you surf, do you surf? In Philadelphia? No, no one. <laughs> They don't even swim in Philadelphia. That's
0: a good book title.
2: <laughs> but, but, you know, they use blue screen. And it was okay. Some of the shots were okay. I mean, CGI would have made it a little bit more realistic, kind of. But um, I think they got away with it. The first Gidget and Gidget Goes Hawaiian are my favorites. And yeah, uh, everything was done so well that I don't think you really... Cared about, you know, it looked a bit fake. I mean, Kathy would know better than anybody. It looked a bit fake, you know, being up on the board and, uh, you know, that blue screen thing, but people accepted it.
0: Yeah, well, back then, you know, it was completely different. You you know, you did accept it. Um, and by the way, Get Your Goes Hawaiian was my favorite. Of the Gidget films, and I must have seen it 14, 15, 16 times. I, I, but I was always asking somebody in the family to take me to see Gidget Goes Hawaiian. I mean, my oh, I loved was, it. was the original Gidget. That was my favorite I loved, show. I loved the original Gidget because I thought Sandra Dee was absolutely precious and adorable. Um, right. I absolutely loved her as Gidget. But then, when I saw *Gidget Hawaiian*, there was just something about that film that talked to me. Maybe because of the setting in Hawaii, this and that. Yeah, that um, helps a lot. But, and also the romantic scenes with the moon doggy and, and stuff. I mean, we're talking like teenagers here. Is there a moon doggy out there for us? Um, but I read, and tell me if I'm correct here. I read where the studio's first choice for the role of moon doggy was Elvis, but he was in That's the army right. and could not do the film. And I'm just curious, what changed the studio's mind to cast you as you're relatively an unknown actor at the time?
2: Originally, the movie was going to be produced by Joe Pasternak, who did lots of musicals. Really? He was the original producer. And, uh, and Elvis, it was Elvis and Deb, I believe Debbie Reynolds for Gidget. I, I mean, I know they changed producers and they brought it home. They brought it to Columbia, who owned the script. And then uh, Sandra Dee was on loan out from Universal because she was a contractee at Universal Studios. But I don't even know why I got the role. I mean, I was in the contract at Columbia, but it was really a godsend because, you know, I mean, it changed my life totally.
0: Well, then you had that big hit with the single. Yeah. I think I told you, James, when we spoke that I still have the Gidget Goes Hawaiian album. and So I, do uh, I. I, I really, I yeah. have it oh. too. <laughs> that was a
2: very special time of life. You yes, know, it was compared to today, and and it's like night and day. You know, a lot less complicated, a lot less. Yep. DS. it was. Uh, it was a wonderful time.
0: I think that's why a lot of these films are being watched today by even a younger sure. generation, because people want to forget what is going on in the world today and they want to go back in time where things, you know, were a little bit easier, simpler.
2: It's an escape. They go back to a much easier, you know, less complicated time. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's so true. Here's a final question for both of you. And Kathy, I'm going to ask you first. (laughs) You are Gidget. Okay. Now, did you ever find yourself trapped within the shadow of the Gidget mania that swept the country and continues to generate new fans to this day. How do you separate Kathy Coner Zuckerman from Gidget, or do you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Well, when I go to work at Duke's Malibu, I'm Gidget. (laughs) And, you know, I go to the beach, and I kind of get to learn the different new surfboards and who's making them, and I'm a member of the surf club, and I'm really excited and bringing the character back to life. Then when I come home, I become Kathy, who takes walks on her street.
0: Well, you know, that was a question I was going to ask about any Gidget projects that fans can look forward to in the near future. And it seems like you have a lot going on to keep the Gidget brand going. I
1: kept all these diaries, and I think they would be fun to get published. I'm working on that.
2: That's cool. I hope you do, Kathy, because it's a great brand. It's a great image. And uh, Thank you. it brings yeah. back wonderful memories. You know, I'm um, going to come to see you at Duke's about Friday and Saturday. Is that the evening or lunch?
1: No, I'm just there during the day now because Gidget don't drive the highway. You know, Gidget surf, <laughs> but Gidget don't drive. <laughs> That's my new logo for a
0: T-shirt. <laughs> you don't drive, but you do surf. Now I got to ask you one question: with all the shark sightings and all this stuff you hear happening to surfers, you know, like in Australia, New Zealand, this and that. Did it ever bother you or worry you that possibly there were sharks out there? Did you ever have an encounter with a shark? Never thought about it. Wow. Uh,
1: Chris, let me just read to you and Jimmy. uh, This was September 30th, 1956. It's a Sunday. Today was just terrific at the beach. The shore break was really good. I was surfing practically all day. I caught about five to ten waves and rode them in all on my knees. Bill was there, but I think we are through. (laughs) with each other (laughs) so so bill was the love interest but you and i are not through james darren oh i hope
0: not gidget is the one for me
2: Gidget, you're the one for me
0: oh you still got it moon doggy is the one for me i love it i love it (laughs) james you've had songs starting with the title song gidget from the first gidget film Goodbye, Cruel World, one of my favorites, and Her Royal Majesty. You've been in two hit series, The Time Tunnel and T.J. Hooker, appeared in films, The Guns of Navarone, The Gene Krupa Story, you're a director, and the list goes on and on yet.
2: Wait, we got to remember Star Trek. I was a holographic singer, yeah.
0: I forgot about that, but Star Trek. And yet, you will always be remembered for portraying Moondocky. So I've got to ask you. Yes.
1: Always and forever.
0: That character is going to follow you through time. Forever, And that doesn't bother you. When people see think of James Darren, they think of, yes, the time tunnel was one of my favorites, T.J. Hooker. But there's something about Moondoggy that just attaches itself to you.
2: For me, I love it. Some actors, you know, don't want to be recognized for a, a character they played. But that character made them successful. You know, exactly. which, which Mo- Moondoggy exactly. made me. I'm thrilled by it. I mean, I, exactly. walk, I walk through the airport and say, hey, Moondoggy. You know, oh, I mean, my God. I uh,
0: Oh, I love that. <laughs> and, James, uh, for fans out there wanting to know where you're appearing, is there a website?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your, yeah. JamesDarren.com. And I'll okay. Be in that's Vegas. easy. I'll be in Georgia. Yeah, beautiful. Oh yeah, it's it's and all on the website. Beautiful. JamesDarren.com.
0: Kathy and James, thank you for being with me. This has been an amazing interview. And I just got to say, you. Gidget has and will always remain a pop culture phenomenon. And Moondoggy, Absolutely. a timeless heartthrob for generations to come. You guys keep well, stay safe. May you both always thank find you. that big wave to ride in life. And thank you oh, for joining right. me. Mahalo. Thank you. Mah- it Mahalo. was a real bitchin' time Thanks for listening to On Q. I invite you to visit our Facebook page, On Q Chris Costello, for more information and for upcoming guests. Remember, each of us has a voice and a story. So until next time, share a smile, laugh often, be kind to each other, and let's help make this an even better world.